Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 222, and this is going to be a really important conversation connecting the links of depression in the immune system and laying it into the constructs of the current pandemic, which I think has influenced depression for a lot of people. Yeah, most definitely. I think that today's conversation is really important, and I honestly can't believe, Becky, that we've gotten this far, 200 plus episodes in, doing so many episodes on mental health and neurotransmitters, anxiety, adrenals, really touching on in many ways depression through the HPA access and microbiome and again, all of the kind of mechanisms I just noted, but we haven't really dug just into the topic of depression. And at this time of the year, you know, chatting with you guys in January, we are about a year into the pandemic and we're looking at potential additional lockdowns. We are looking at the impact of seasonal depressive disorder and you know lack of sunshine and so many other mechanisms going on. A lot of people out of work, a lot of people uh, with school closures and so much more. And really, I think when it comes down to it, any time that you feel out of direct control of your choices of your life you know like you can't plan for a trip in six months uh you can't select what you're going to do in the next couple weeks or even goodness in in the coming days it can be really difficult to maintain a positive outlook when you feel essentially helpless or not 100 percent in control i mean when we just kind of look back at the entire model of maslow's hierarchy of needs at that peak of that pyramid is self-actualization, you know, and that's the desire to become the most that one can be, but it requires goals. It requires a sense of hope. It requires a sense of capability or access. And I think that a lot of that is daunted and we can even go down the, the pyramid, unfortunately, and see at the bottom is the physiological needs, which include things like air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproductive health. And we're already seeing implications with food insecurity. We're seeing, of course, a huge increase of individuals that are dealing with insomnia. Of course, all of the the mental illness stuff that we're going to dig into today. When you go up the pyramid into safety needs, that's where we have things like employment, right? Health, um, property, uh, personal security and wealth and resources. So those safety needs we know are being impacted at this time, 
going up for higher importance beyond those essential needs really is where we see love and belonging, which requires gathering, which requires Mm -hmm. intimacy, um, a sense of connection and belonging and friendship. And a lot of that love and belonging tier is being influenced right now. And then even further up between that loving and belonging and self-actualization is esteem. And I think that this is also in this last year where we've had a lot of divisiveness, we've had a lot of impact on emotions that are very low vibration, like shame, and that's going to hinder, of course, self-esteem or respect or um, even the influences of tyrannic policy on freedom could impact esteem. You know, again, that that lack of freedom of things as as nominal as curfew control Mm -hmm. and and, and things like the liking. Yeah, a lot of disruption, like you said, of even the most foundational layers of this pyramid for so many during the pandemic. It's truly been life-altering and shattering for many. Yeah, so I think there's just so much to get into today. And I think that the first thing to hear is that if you are feeling low, that there's a lot going on and that, that there is validity in you know having um, senses of, of lows or feelings of, of hopelessness at times. And what our goal is in today's episode is to really dig deep into the functional mechanisms of depression, talking about some of the physiological influences of inflammation and the connections of depression, ancestral trends, and even immune function. So we will get into a little bit more on the impact of lockdowns, school closings, and unemployment. But what we want to talk to you about is how the body responds and how we can be more resilient regardless of our external environment. Totally. Can't wait to unpack all of that. Um, Before we do today, let's just have a quick time for some announcements and a word from our sponsor for this episode. Yes. So I think on the announcement side of things... We are active in our 12-week virtual food as medicine ketosis class. So this started last week. You are still more than able to join. We've had such an awesome, strong start. And it's been such a like, I don't know, I guess like a revitalization, Becky, mm-hmm. of, of just like vibes and energy where Becky and I are in this deficiency of the belonging and the community need of not being on book tour and hugging you guys and like doing all the events and things. Of course, we found that um, in other places with family and whatnot, but we're really excited about this course and yeah. having this active, live, synergistic, not just us putting out information like we do on the podcast or the YouTube or the social media platforms, but having this community. Um, so if you haven't taken the chance yet, definitely go on over to AllieMillerRD.com slash ketosis hyphen class. We've opened up 50 extra spots just because I had such a like light filling charge of awesomeness last Wednesday that I felt like we have to share this gift with more. So definitely take advantage of that. Go on over to AllieMillerRD hyphen uh, or backslash hyphen ketosis class and grab your spot. Anything else, Becky, we need to share on the program. Well, you can totally catch up on that class that you missed in our archived um, videos of the classroom, so you won't have really missed anything. A lot of people actually listen to the videos um, kind of post timestamped in a time that works for them. Um, you also get with your program a unique 
discount code for use on your supplements um, throughout the program and access to all of our functional medicine labs at the in-clinic price. So I think that's a big reason to do the program just for the lab savings alone. And then I would highlight for sure that this year we are launching our communication platform on Slack, which is also an awesome avenue because instead of just like a Facebook page that we had going before or a group, I think it was called a Facebook group, um, this really allows us to categorize conversations. We're having um, input and output from, you know, you may listen to from episode 222 of the podcast. I heard this. I'm wondering about this connection or did you read this research study? It's so much of a greater functional platform for having more of a forum like communication, sharing information, and Becky and I directly moderate that. So it's the best way to have both of our brains, you know, on your case. And there even is a section on our community board where you can post things on your lab, supplement questions, and we will literally help you troubleshoot and advise, you know, something you might want to run to dig deeper to get more info or a substitution swap out product or troubleshoot a lifestyle technique, like maybe less fasting or uh, lower exercise or focusing on sleep hygiene if we're seeing imbalance in your body from what you're sharing with us. So it's really the best way to get our brains focused on really empowering you to optimize your health and and take 2021 by the horns, if you will. (laughs) So go on over to Ali Millardi and grab your spot in our 12-week virtual ketosis class. All right. So our sponsor for this episode is Fond Bone Broth. And you all know that we absolutely love Fond with their delicious elixir life-giving bone broth um, made in their signature glass jars. We love that they focus so much on quality. So they're, you know, making their bone broth exclusively in stainless steel using well water that they actually test daily for excellence and then taking it beyond with sustainability in terms of the partnerships with organic farms, using those glass jars to bottle their bone broth. Um, and every part of their process is gentle on the environment. Um, we love that they have functional ingredients that are handpicked and prepared to optimize absorption and taste. So from their turmeric cracked pepper, beets and hot pepper, their Nopalito blend, which is a seasonal flavor, but I know it's still on the website as of now, at least when we're recording. And so bouquet probably, garden yeah, 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 yeah. and sage. Yep, yeah. <laughs> so, so delicious. Um, so truly nourishing, delightful um, blends of bone broth, not just hot meat juice in a mug. And especially with the colder temperatures, I know bone broth is something that's a daily staple in my household. For sure. So go on over to fondbonebroth.com and uh, put in the code AllieMillerRD at checkout and you will save on your order. We definitely both are subscribers. <laughs> we highly recommend doing that. And this might be the time that you want to use Fond Bone Broth in conjunction with a bone broth fast in the new year as a little bit of a reset button. If you haven't learned about how to do that, you can go on over to our Naturally Nourished YouTube channel and check out Bone Broth Fast as an idea. But to check out Fond, fondbonebroth.com, use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. Yeah, I kind of wish that I had known about Fond. I guess I knew about it, but I wasn't using it as much when I've done my bone broth fast in the past. How dreamy because yep. it's like, it's, it's again, you would like look forward to each jar. Right, right. Because and do different flavors exactly. versus like the same old batch you that you made. You could day. Yep. 
yep. magic. I love that because I'm always looking for, I'm like, what can I add that's not going to, you know, kick me out of this fast or, um, you know, how much can I get away with flavor wise? Or sometimes I'll blend in coconut oil and turmeric and things like that. But you would at least have a really good base to do this with. Yeah. I love it. I'm in it. All right. Um, so let's get to it. I first want to talk today about some of the mechanisms of mental illness. Um, so in the anti-anxiety diet, you touch a lot on functional approaches that influence the HPA access and the stress response. Um, so maybe let's first talk about the influences on mood that you identify in the book, because I think there's a lot of parallels and a lot of overlap from anxiety to depression. Yeah, most definitely. Obviously, the expression can be very different or the primary symptoms or the experience in the individual, but the mechanisms of imbalance have so many overlaps. So I'll just kind of cruise through, because I don't think we've done an episode on the anti-anxiety diet in a while. Um, I use six R's in uh, my approach of the anti-anxiety diet, and I focus on removing inflammation, resetting the microbiome, repairing the GI tract or leaky gut, if you will, gut integrity, restoring micronutrients, rebounding the adrenals, and then finally rebalancing neurotransmitters. So the issue when we think of anxiety and depression is that often when an individual seeks support for treatment of anxiety or depression or shares with their doctor that they're experiencing these symptoms, immediately the first line of intervention is generally an SSRI or some form of a medication that's going to interfere with neurotransmitter expression. And this is without that practitioner doing any testing on levels of neurotransmitters or trying to understand why things might be imbalanced with that individual in the first place. So I don't necessarily say that these six R's have to be done in in a particular order where you end with rebalancing neurotransmitters, but I do point blank state that some of the more preliminary areas would be starting with inflammation and gut work. So when we're talking about inflammation, We've seen in clinical literature that your C-reactive protein, which is a marker of inflammation in the body, that there is an increased correlation to depression. And this is via the mechanism that oxidative stress or you know inflammation in the brain will interfere with the way that neurotransmitters function and fire. So we see that with individuals that have higher inflammation, they tend to have more oxidative stress and more mental impairment as well as mood disorders. Now, right away in the chapter when I start to focus on removing inflammation, I identify five pro-inflammatory foods, and I would absolutely say that these would be the top five to remove for depression as well, and those are corn, soy, gluten, dairy, and sugar. And in the world of sugar, I go even deeper into right away talking about low glycemic, the importance of blood sugar balance, and how nutritional ketosis can be a tool for mental wellness. And honestly, a lot of this goes back even to the work of Dr. Natasha McBride, who has you know the GAPS diet, the gut and psychology syndrome. I learned about her through the work with Weston A. Price. And, um, you know, she goes anywhere from dyslexia, ADHD, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and connects so much of this to these top 
top three variables that I identify in my book, inflammation, microbiome health, and leaky gut, if you will. So we know when we remove refined carbohydrates and we get the individual into a ketogenic diet that they are able to reduce their expression of epinephrine, or that's one of the mechanisms that would reduce seizure activity. So that epinephrine is that adrenaline surge, and that can really drive neurological excitatory expression of a seizure. But even beyond that, when we're looking at mood stability, we get a greater balance of um, GABA expression. Ketones are actually GABAergenic, and so they aid in expressing this feel-good, mellower-out compound in the brain that helps to make us feel safe, helps to get us in the zone, as we've discussed with you know GABA Calm as a tool which is a, a big tool for anxiety. Not only though, does it nip in the bud that like steam train on the stress train, it also can help us with concentration and focus. So GABA can also be a very powerful antidepressant aiding in that, that mental awareness and acuity. Sure. Um, and then microbiome, do you want to speak a little bit more to that? Yeah. So when we're talking about the microbiome, um, you know, the idea that we are outnumbered by bacteria has been discussed in, in various episodes. You know, we have hundreds of trillions of bacteria cells in our body, um, and the microbiome is about three to five pounds of bacteria in our body that can work for us in a symbiotic state or against us in a dysbiotic state. And so when we're looking to address depression, we should think clinically about, is there a dysbiotic environment? Is the gut um, have too much overgrowth of yeast, like candida? Does it have too much overgrowth of Klebsiella pneumoniae or of E. coli? Or has there been another foodborne pathogen or illness that has um, infected the gut? And that's driving an output of adrenaline or epinephrine, this fight or flight surge. Or is the gut sterilized from consumption of highly processed foods, excessive alcohol consumption, excessive um, sugar consumption, or non-caloric sweeteners, and they don't have enough of the lacto and bifido strains to make the serotonin, that main feel-good neurotransmitter, or the GABA production that's required. So the microbiome is such a powerhouse, and we call you know the enteric nervous system the second brain of the body. And that's what then takes us to the repairing the GI, um, because we know we have more neurons in the gut than we do in the brain and the spinal cord combined. So when we're working on this bilateral communication of the gut to the central nervous system, it's important that we have optimal integrity in our GI tract, which is ensuring that once we've removed the lighter fluid or the, the fire, the inflammation, the driver of inflammation from those inflammatory foods, and we have the microbiome working for us, now we want to kind of repair the house or repair the gut integrity so that we can get more favorable bilateral communication between the brain and the body. Okay, and then beyond that, the next three, restore micronutrients, rebound the adrenals, and rebalance neurotransmitters. Yeah, so you know all of these really important as well, and I'm gonna save the micronutrients because we'll nerd out sure. today on specific micronutrients for depression. Um, but I feel that the adrenals and hormones are really important to mm -hmm. examine. So if, if you're someone that has dealt with a really dynamic variance in mood over this year, 
this would be a really important time, and this is full circle, I'm gonna repeat it at the end, but this is a really good time to consider potentially investing in looking at um, like a neurohormone panel that looks at your salivary cortisol, your DHEA, your various forms of estrogen, your progesterone and testosterone, or you know, for just men, just the E2 estradiol and testosterone, as well as getting a snapshot of your neurotransmitters, because I think that you can just get so much information, you know, both on those last two of the adrenals and the neurotransmitters, as well as sexual hormone. Because when we're stressed, if we feel like this last year, we were just dragging on the bumper of the vehicle of our body and just surviving and getting through it and didn't feel in control, um, you know, often we actually will pull our progesterone into cortisol. And we've talked about that in the episode called the pregnenolone steal. Um, this is a very known mechanism where often women then can dip really low progesterone. They lose their libido. Um, they're dealing with fluid retention. They're dealing with um, more hormonal highs and lows and imbalances, especially PMDD when progesterone is supposed to peak towards the end of the cycle. Um, so you can just get so much information from that lab. I would say that, that that's one that I talk about in my book, but that's one that during this time, if we're dealing with really uh, what we're experiencing as depression, that would be my first intervention as far as a lab. Totally. And a lot of times depression does trend with, you know, burned out cortisol, like you said. Yeah. If you, if your adrenals are not putting out that feel good, um, you know, that, that both anti-inflammatory, but also natural circadian energy, circadian energy, you're just Mm going to be feeling flat affect and, and then you're feeling burned out. And that's very comparable to a depressed impact. Totally. And it can be so validating, I think, to see that on paper that it's like, oh, it's not just in my head. Like this is actually happening. My body is manifesting this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it gives you where to start. Yep. Um, so although it's the anti-anxiety diet, anyone dealing with depression would also find great benefit using this approach for sure as well, or at least parts of it. Um, we spend a lot of time, you know, focusing on anxiety and excessive stress response. And I think both with the seasonal affective disorder peaking, you know, now in this timestamp of January, when we have the least amount of light mm-hmm. and people aren't outside as much, especially in colder places, plus 11 plus months of pandemic, plus an outlook of long-term oppression, lack of life and livelihood, and, you know, physiological impacts of being in a lockdown, being less engaged in society, less interactive, less active outdoors. Let's just kind of talk numbers of what we're seeing right now. That's nothing, Becky, right? I know. <laughs> oh my <Oof>. gosh. <laughs> You're digging in. Uh-huh. <laughs> I <going>. know, I know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, there, there is a, a lot of chicken and egg to, to all of those different influencing factors, right? But I mean, early in the summer, um, we had pretty good research coming out and, you know, the World Health Organization, when they declared the global pandemic, um, just three months in, uh, we saw 40% of respondents uh, to uh, various polls sharing that they had at least one adverse mental or behavioral health condition and 18 to 24 year olds are the age group that are hit the hardest and of that age group we see 75 percent of respondents reporting at least one adverse mental or back or or, excuse me behavioral health symptom 
in, within you know the last 30 days. So it's really terrifying to know the toll that quarantine and job loss and school closures will take on, like you said, the emotional, physical, and even the on a biochemical level, the nutritional health of people of all ages. Um, you know, we've heard that about 40% of adults reported struggling with depression or seriously considered suicide. Um, and it, it doesn't end with social isolation and loneliness. Um, we can see beyond the idea of depression and mental illness, the increased influence on cardiovascular disease, on type 2 diabetes, on autoimmune conditions, chronic stress and depression can really wreak havoc on the body. And um, we can see overall that both perceived and actual objective social isolation, so the concept of it, perceived mm-hmm. social, social isolation as well as actual lockdown, have both been linked to increase all-cause mortality. And I will link the unfortunate research that supports that. So, you know, we've heard that even the World Health Organization has spoke out against lockdowns, yet Unfortunately, we continue to see some of this happening in our country. Um, and so the, the concern is, is, I think, wide-folded and throughout many age groups. I think the most vulnerable populations are definitely the elderly, mm-hmm. where the, the isolation and, and loneliness is really impacting them in their day-to-day functionality, uh, food security, um, even you know timeliness of medication, as well as um, you know bathroom hygiene and so many other factors that are lessened with less socialization, less action, um, and also on the children that are susceptible to school closures in many areas. Um, you know, luckily in in Texas we're still rocking and rolling right now with schools. Um, but we've seen a five-time increase in fail rate in the greater Houston schools. Um, we've seen you know, 30 million American children receive free or subsidized lunches. So what happens when we start to make these subsequent lockdowns um, on the implications of, of their nutritional health as well as the impact of that individual's family, financial, and, and social structure? Yeah, that's... A lot. Yeah. So there's a lot of chicken and egg relationships uh-huh. here. And, you know, and, and that in itself is a lot. Um, just the lack of the ability to plan for the future, right. I think, going back to that kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Because maybe some of our listeners aren't affected on as intensive of a financial level of uh, school lunch programs, mm-hmm. but just that fact of the individuals that have had to reschedule their wedding, that, you know, the, the joy sure. like listing and that, that impact for future, I think is huge. Sure. And no real end in sight. I mean, there's some speak of hope for 2021 with the vaccine, but um, there's also you know. speak of 2023. <laughs> right. I know. Um, and it's kind of been this, this little dangling carrot of like, oh, just two more weeks, just six more weeks, just, you know, we're upwards of a year now. So anyway, um, before we go on, just kind of looking back at at that, um, let's just talk about, you know, personally how you dealt emotionally with this whole bad season and how you're continuing to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, I think when it, all started. I think in general, I keep myself super overcommitted and super passion driven. And so, you know, we went off such a high of book tour right into pandemic that I think I had enough adrenaline going that it just lit a fire for me personally of digging into what I really 
knew intuitively and started to find more information on going on within the medical industrial complex and the sensationalism, the politicizing, the divisiveness, the marketing, um, the social pressure campaigns, and you know, recognizing very clearly that this is a really trying time. But I think that the part for me that has been able to feel in a sense, a light of this is that I do feel that there's this wide awakening of sorts in a sense that's helping me feel more purposeful potentially. And um, that's necessary because I, I, I can see it. So I know it and I'm aware of my ability to empower and heal. And I know what may be coming and I know what I'm able to control. And so that awareness and acceptance of, I guess, some of the power struggles, some of the, I mean, it it took a lot to like accept like, whoa, there's really shitty people in this world. Um, Mm -hmm. And and it took, that was was like basically February through April was my realization back and forth of like, but people couldn't really be that shitty, could they? And, And having that final awareness of this darkness has actually helped me to further redefine my light um, because I know March was my heaviest time of coming to peace with with a lot of the bad season, if you will. Um, and I, I knew how real it was and, and how deep it really went and had to make terms with that. But again, this has been such an awesome awareness time where I know where I need to go and I know where I want to go. So it's like, okay, what is not working here? What can I manifest? And so, you know, this is the time that we are working on getting off of smartphones and working on switching to dumb phones and landlines. This is the time that I'm being extremely intentional and present with Stella. And, um, you know, we're spending much more time speaking on gratitude and more time on prayer and um, finding our calling in nature and more purpose that connects us as a family. So there's things that we're able to, I think, finding like, as you hear during like an anxiety attack, right? Or a panic attack, like what are three things you can see? What are two things you can smell? What is one thing you can feel? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like going back to those types of simple elements of like, what do you own and what do you control? Because at the end of the day, um, you know, digging into what you don't have and, and what might not be or what might be can be very, I, I believe, extremely daunting. Totally. Um, and yeah, for me, I think the most real manifestation of that has been Noah, where it's like, I have to be present because he's the now. an itty bitty baby and even, you know, being pregnant for all of the pandemic. And then, so, you know, um, I think that focus that had me focused elsewhere, at least on, you know, growing a healthy baby and, and having, you know, a greater purpose for sure. Yeah. Um, has definitely gotten me through some, some dark times. So that, that yes. little boy's a little light. Absolutely. Yes. All right. So let's, um, get a little bit nerdy here. I want to go into some of the facets of depression, including the psychological, biological, and social. And certainly we're going to hear maybe some trends and overlaps in the anti-anxiety diet, but Um, I also want to call out those that are kind of ancestral and, and maybe talk about, um, a little bit of the ancestral connection as well. So let's kick off with a pretty deep rooted theory of depression, the pathogen host theory. Yeah. So it's interesting, um, because depression has been questioned of, is it just a response to illness? So when we think ancestrally, during like hunter-gatherer times, 
people that lived in active communal lives, if someone was sick, and we've talked about this in the constructs of fasting, Becky, you know, like if someone in a tribe was sick, they'd go off to the woods and like, you know, kind of fast for like 24 hours and then kind of come back and rejoin the community. Well, if someone was sick ancestrally, they needed to lose interest in the external environment, withdraw from the tribe and conserve their energy by decreasing their activity. So that response focuses on metabolic resources to be available through like autophagy, you know, some of the processes of fasting or by decreasing energy output so that the metabolic responses are there for the body to fight infection. Um, While isolation also would prevent the spread of a disease. So, you know, a pathogen can be bacteria, yeast, or virus. So this isolation or, you know, what some people would see as like depression or separation could be the body innately or intuitively responding to an infection of sorts. Sure. And even to take that a little further, you know, bipolar, we're starting to see some autoimmune mechanism there as well. So potentially, you know, another um, kind of pathogen host sort of thing. Yeah, most definitely. And and there's genes as well that are associated with depression. And these can be associated with our ability to fight infections as well as the function of our immune system. So again, this kind of double dip inflammatory immunological cascade, if you will. So we know that both depression and illness share genetic variants, which in, in impact the polymorphisms on your interleukin genes, namely interleukin beta, interleukin 6, and interleukin 10, um, as well as we've seen in diagnostic factors um, increase, for instance, in like new tumor necrosis factor alpha, or as I mentioned before, C-reactive protein, which is inflammatory marker, and even things like phospholipase A2. Um, so biologically speaking, depression and illness share many factors. Um, those with depression and illness might have also even on a symptom-based or um, a physiological response like body temperature increase. Mm-hmm. And we tend to see increased body temperature or low-grade fever that would be more pronounced in the evening. Um, and we also tend to think of that with pathogen because that's when the body is kind of, we tend to think of especially like parasite. But we've talked about in, in different dysbiosis gut episodes that pathogenic bacteria, even in yeast, especially uh, parasite strain, tend to be more nocturnal. And so we'll see that warming of the body as the body is kind of more calming down, focusing on its laying in bed, kind of isolated behavior. And that's when the mechanism of defend and fight upregulates. Super interesting. They like to party at night. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, or or, or yeah. the body fights. The body does its best battle yeah, yeah, yeah. and kicks up yeah. some dust. <laughs> Who knows? Right. So, um, you know, and then we've on the CRP and interleukin six, um, we've seen upwards of fifty percent increase or um, in in individuals that are claiming mental depression or uh, mental illness. So we do know that there's that influence again. Um, and there's even on the inflammatory cytokines, uh, such as interferon alpha, um, there's even medications. So antidepressant medications actually inhibit that pathway of interferon alpha. Um, and that would then reduce that inflammation. Um, and, and we've seen that one of the mechanisms of antidepressant drugs is the reduction of interleukin 10 to reduce inflammation. Now, what's cool about this is if we think of, again, if depression is the result of a pathogen and a pathogen could be bacteria, yeast, virus, well, 
one thing we could be doing is uh, checking with our microbiome, you know, doing a probiotic mm-hmm. challenge, seeing if the gut flora is accepting a boost of good gut bugs, which again, we could take at night, which could further mitigate that ramping up um, or battle response. And, or we could go forward with even more of a stronger battle. We're using like the beat the bloat cleanse where we're able to layer in berberine, where we're able to layer in the herbal immune, which has oil of oregano and sage and lemon balm and thyme. And so we're actually able to kind of plow or reset the the body in its exposure to pathogen and that's something i think worth noting because it can be seen as almost like a dusting and cleaning don't you think becky even in the world of like if there's residual debris from exposed virus of any form whether it was a form whether you were exposed to covid whether you're exposed to influenza anytime your body battles a pathogen if you had any low grade fever scratchy throat whatnot there's debris and so we look at the importance of like we talked with long haulers that anti-inflammatory and clean up with detox, but we also might kind of have to shake the tree, if you will, in case there is some residual pathogenic um, overgrowth going on in the body or um, continued um, viability that needs to be battled. Totally makes sense. And I think with all of this, you know, it's cool to see that there can be lab markers that are elevated or, you know, there can be other things that are coming up again, not just being kind of all in your head, something you can, you know, proactively do something about. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, so in the lab sense, each of my R's of the anti-anxiety diet, like I, like I do in the book and great time to check it out as a resource, if you haven't yet, um, will identify at the end of each chapter, recommended supplement formulas, as well as recommended labs and lifestyle, and then abundance of food as medicine goals. So you might be testing the stool in an individual that has more um, irregular bowels, um, or you might just start with a probiotic challenge. You know, you might do um, actual metabolic panel that looks at C-reactive protein and some of these inflammatory markers, or you might start the individual on some super turmeric and EPA DHA extra and cellular antiox because. What's awesome is all three of those formulas have been shown to reduce cytokines. And so when we're looking at mechanisms of antidepressant drugs, which have gone up astronomically in prescribing over this period of time, what about starting with a natural anti-inflammatory that not only can actually help to balance your mood and mental wellness, but also can help with insulin sensitivity, also can help with energy. Because, you know, when we think of the side effects of antidepressants, we think of these as weight gain, loss of libido, fatigue. And when we're talking about super turmeric, EPA, DHA, and um, cellular antiox, these actually do the opposite of all of those things. So you're getting that synergistic impact from targeted nutritional supplement support. Yeah. So on that note, I think it's a good time to just jive a little bit more on um, the Naturally Nourished Supplement line as our sponsor for the mid-roll of this episode and, you know, why nutrients can functionally aid in managing our mood. Yeah. So those three, you know, that I mentioned, super turmeric, EPA, DHA extra, and cellular antiox all have different mechanisms that would impact inflammation. In fact, we have those in our anti-inflammatory bundle, those three formulas. Um, and like I said, across the board, Becky, with each of these departments of area of need, we would have different areas of focus. There's actually a whole section on the um, on Ali Miller RD in the Naturally Nourished Supplement line um, when you're looking at mood and hormones. Mm-hmm. And so that'll highlight some featured formulas. 
Um, but I would call out on the mood world and specific to depression, Adaptogen Boost as yeah. a key formula for sure. Um, this has three different ingredients. So it has Panax ginseng, it has um, cordyceps, and it has rhodiola. And so what's awesome about this formula, especially as we're still in the tail of cold flu immune season and connecting again, immune enhancement as an antidepressant, because we keep thinking of this as a, a chicken and egg, right? Um, so don't worry guys, we're going to talk about, of course, vitamin D and vitamin C and those things coming yep. in a moment um, uh, after we get through our little ad space. But on the world of adaptogen boost, I would just highlight that, you know, cordyceps has been used for hundreds of years in traditional Chinese medicine when they call it like dampness in the lungs. Um, it's been used for various forms of SARS, uh, various forms of respiratory disorders uh, with great success, and also for chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, we know also that ginseng aids as a vasodilator, which can bring oxygenation to the body, really important during this time, also bringing that brain oxygenation, as well as delivering to our body parts to aid with libido. Um, and then we know that rhodiola has such tonifying effects, and rhodiola also has been shown to have antidepressant effects. So this is a really good formula that supports our adrenals, our stress primary glands to be resilient to stress response while giving us a natural boost of energy without tapping into those adrenals driving further fatigue and still giving some of the both immune modulating, anti-inflammatory and antidepressant boost. Right. And then beyond that, looking at, um, you know, if we think our adrenals are maybe the thing that took the biggest hit, the adrenal rebound bundle, I think would be a great place to start that would include that adaptogen boost you just mentioned, as well as our adrenal support. So if the adrenal glands are sluggish in their production of cortisol and you need a little bit of boost, um, as well as our bio C plus, which we know is supportive of the adrenals and is also going to support immune health and so much more. Yeah. So I would say definitely go on over to AllieMillerRD.com. Over there, you can take a quiz to find formulas that work best for you. You can also shop by our categories. Like I said, mood and hormones is an entire section. And you might check out bundles as a great place to start. So we talked about the Adrenal Rebound Bundle. I kind of referenced some of the highlighted formulas in our digestive essentials, which includes the baseline probiotic, which you would use for the probiotic challenge, as well as our GI lining support for that leaky gut and digest aid to aid in breakdown of foods at mealtime. Um, and then we also have protocols on there as a great tool to support your journey. So go on over to AllieMillerRD.com. All right, so let's hit now on micronutrients and mood as promised. Um, so this is an area of the anti-anxiety diet called restore micronutrient status. Um, let's just touch on maybe some of the key nutrients that are going to impact both depression and immune function. Yeah, so again, tons of overlap here. So we think of immune modulators, uh, zinc um, as a mood stabilizing mineral, if you will. Um, we can see that this can be upwards of 12% lower in depressed individuals. And incrementally, we see this associated with severity of depression. We know also that zinc itself can reduce viral replication. So if infected with a virus, having ample zinc, that's why that's been a kind of named uh, mineral during this season with the pandemic, um, having ample levels of zinc and actually increasing zinc supplementation in a chelated form can be very supportive in reducing viral replication. So uh, we look for in the diet, things like red meat, shellfish, 
um, even pepitas, but any form of red meat. So like lamb, bison, beef, and then um, incorporating various cuts, of course. Uh, so this would be an area of a special focus for individuals that are vegetarian as an area of probably a weak point. Mm-hmm, um, and when we're talking about the impact on smell and taste, we think of zinc deficiency to also be a mediating factor there as well. Uh, so this would be one to be proactive with. I think generally speaking, using zinc in your multivitamin is appropriate, but this would be one to maybe um, layer in. And if we were doing a micronutrient test and we saw that to be a functional deficiency, then I would bring in additional, you know, 30 milligram plus of uh, chelated form of zinc. Um, iron is another mineral that we see a decreased immune response with, um, as well as depression when there's low iron status. So we're going to see um, higher levels of depression and lower immune function um, as the immune system actually uses iron to fight off bacteria and pathogen in the body. And then we think of things like vitamin D. So outside of our minerals, uh, we think of vitamin D, of course, as a huge pro-hormone for our immune system. And we think of vitamin D connected with mood and depression, as well as how the thyroid functions, as well as with insulin resistance and so much more. We look to eggs, liver in our, I didn't mention iron rich foods, but basically I'd repeat all of those that I mentioned, the red meat, the yep. shellfish. Yep. Um, you know, you can get some from like blackstrap molasses and such, but really you're getting it from your red meat in your diet. The heme form is going to be where you'll get that most bioavailable. And then cooking with a cast iron skillet um, can be a great source as well. On the world of vitamin D, I recommend eggs, liver, mushrooms, and that is one that I would say that the vitamin D balance blend is most definitely worth it during this time of the year, especially probably all the way through spring. Yep. Um, I've had so many people, just Brady and I did our own blood work, and uh, he had been doubling down. Granted, he was off, and I sometimes do these like supplement audits with him, and he had been off for, I believe, like all of October and November. But we got our blood drawn in December, and at that time he was taking 10,000 and 5,000 every other day for 30 days leading up, and his vitamin D was still at like a 38. Okay, wow. Um, yeah. And I really like it between 50 to 80, so mine was at 72, you but go. you know, I'm a gold star student. <laughs> uh, we could do a whole episode on my lab review, but yeah. So vitamin D is one that I think is a really important you know, one to be pro-vigilant with, and if you are supplementing with D, really important to have a balance of K1 and K2 to ensure that that nutrient is delivered as it should be and that's in both our vitamin d balanced capsule and liquid that's what we mean by balanced we're incorporating that matrix of the k1 and k2 okay and then beyond vitamin d with the immune connection we also think vitamin c Yes. So vitamin C we're seeing, you know, being used in Wuhan, China, in IV therapies, and we're seeing the impact on reducing oxidative stress as an antioxidant. So that aids in reducing things like blood clot formation and the uh, drive of inflammation in the body, essentially. And then there's been studies actually on kiwi fruit and various functional foods, produce items, citrus, and um, the role of vitamin C as an antidepressant. There's actually some mechanisms in this in that ascorbic acid actually produces an antidepressant-like effect. Um, it actually has interaction with the monoaminergenic system in our body. And we've seen that 
the NMDA receptors are actually decreasing depressive symptoms. And so when we have an influence of vitamin C or ascorbic acid, that that actually can biochemically reduce depression on an expressive level on our neurotransmitters. And vitamin C itself can have that anti-NMDA effect. So we look to things like elderberry and cranberry and kamu kamu. Um, our bio C plus is a fantastic tool for that as well. And what we love about vitamin C, like you said, Becky, it also supports the adrenal glands and how they regulate cortisol. We also see vitamin C helping in connective tissue and so much more. It, it really has a, a broad spectrum impact beyond just the antioxidant and mood stabilizing effects. Okay. And then generally speaking for diet, let's talk about protein. I think that's a really important one to hit on. Yeah, so beyond the red meat focus for zinc and iron, you know, just getting ample amino acids is super important. And especially when we're thinking in the world of depression, because, you know, we've said before that, you know, food is the most overabused anti-anxiety drug and movement is the most underutilized the most underutilized antidepressant, if you will. So some people will overeat with stress and anxiety, some people lose their appetite altogether. But either way, if we're overeating, it's usually choosing too many refined carbs. Or if it's a lack of appetite, either way, we're generally not getting protein. You know, like protein is not the craving, I'm not hungry, I guess I'll have people usually go for a cracker, sure. or, you know, that kind of thing. So when we're lacking protein, then we start to get deficient in key amino acids that are necessary to actually manufacture our neurotransmitters. All of our mood-impacting neurotransmitters are built from amino acids. So we think of serotonin, we think of tryptophan. When we think of dopamine, we think of tyrosine and so forth. So getting protein in at all meals is really essential for antidepressive effects or really getting out of a, a deep and low mood. Yeah. Whenever I see neurotransmitters across the board flat on someone's panel, I always audit their protein, make sure they're getting at least 70 grams or more per you mm -hmm. know, body weight and body composition goals. Um, and then I'll often have them, especially if there is that low appetite, add in a scoop of our grass-fed whey. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, because that's such a bioavailable delivery of those amino acids. And that's also going to give us that glutathione, which is a key antioxidant in reducing that brain oxidative stress. Uh, I think that that's a great, great tool. Yes. All right. Let's talk a little bit more on food and beyond. Um, we've already talked a little bit about these featured nutrients, but let's just give it some more general um, food as medicine for the immune and mood connection. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as you're eating a whole food-based diet, then you're going to be supporting your microbiome for success. So again, if we're thinking back to that hunter-gatherer approach, we could think of approaching the diet in that way. So getting a variety of leaves and berries and um, eating a good amount of protein when available and then also allowing the body to fast. Um, but really the processed standard American diet is what has really been highly associated with gut dysbiosis. And gut dysbiosis is where we make that connection to depression, altered immune response, and even cascading inflammation and then blood sugar dysregulation and so forth. So the removal of refined carbohydrates and processed foods, as well as not falling victim to non-caloric sweeteners, is going to be a great way when paired with eating whole 
real single ingredient foods to ensure that you have good bacterial diversity and the feel good bugs. As I love to say, you know, probiotics are nature's Prozac. So, you know, we've seen that the bacteriides family has been uh, shown to be associated with depression. Whereas on the other end, healthy levels of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium are associated with a healthy mental state and a healthy innate immune response. So the lacto and bifido are always our go-to as kind of first line defense in probiotic supplements. That's what we use in the restore baseline probiotic and that's the one that we use in that probiotic challenge where you incrementally increase your probiotic to see if you notice favorable or unfavorable change by working up those colony forming units. And if you were dealing with sterility, then great. The solution is just to level up to the targeted strength probiotic, which gives you four times the potency or 60 billion CFUs per capsule. Um, and again, and if you decline with the probiotic challenge, then we would go into that beat the bloat um, gut cleanse. And literally, if you have not done the probiotic challenge at this point yet, this is your call to action. <laughs> Go on over to our YouTube channel. You can just Google um, YouTube Allie Miller RD probiotic challenge. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes, of course. Um, but that has links to the worksheet to do it and gives you all of the ways that you can feel empowered to really ensure that your gut flora is working for you and building all of those feel-good neurotransmitters to enhance your mood, not hinder it. Yep. And then if you do well with probiotics, incorporating probiotic-rich foods on a daily basis would be a really good idea. So getting into yogurt um, or doing like sauerkraut paired with your grass-fed sausage or something like that would be really nice. Yeah. Those have been recent ones. We just did that in a team meeting, uh -huh. like, like survival style where we weren't planning on we were going to maybe fast, but Becky needs to eat much more than me because yeah. she's breastfeeding. I can't fast till 4 p.m. these nope. days, and probably you shouldn't either. No, nope. <laughs> nope. my adrenals don't like it so nope. much. But such an easy, you know, doing those Teton waters, grass-fed sausages with kraut on the side and half an avocado, easy peasy, and still getting a lot of healthy, supportive nutrients in there. And you've been doing, I don't. are you still doing yogurt now postpartum? You were doing a lot of yogurt with your pregnancy. You know, I wasn't doing as much and I kind of realized I was falling short on calcium. So I still have some of the delicious ones from the farmer's market that oh. I froze when they had like huge blowout sales. And I've been thawing one a week. Um, and then also getting back a little bit on kombucha because I was doing that pretty much every night when I was pregnant. And now it's like, oh, yeah. do I want kombucha or do I want wine? wine. <laughs> and, you know, you can do some both. nights I can do both. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, I've personally actually just returned recently to yogurt. Uh, and it's been a really nice thing. I think that I've noticed a little bit of a lightness in my mood by doing so. And also it helps me to easily in the day get calories in mm -hmm. a little bit earlier when I'm not ready for my eggs yet. Um, or I've been doing a lot more since my last detox. I did a detox between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday. And I've been doing a green smoothie probably now like three to four times a week um, with the full fat coconut milk. And I'll add in ginger, turmeric. So getting more of those anti-inflammatories, getting the grass-fed whey for the glutathione and the amino acids. And then I'll also start it now beyond the coconut milk, putting in some dollops of the full fat yogurt to add some probiotic in there. Um, another combination of kind of mood food I like is 
I've been on a kick on the truffle egg salad. Where's okay. that featured, Becky? Is that on the Eat Fat Get Skinny ebook? It's or? in there and it's also on the blog. Okay. So NaturallyNourishedRD.com slash blog, or you can just Google Allie Miller RD truffle egg salad. It should pop up. Yeah. It's a that, good one. That one's really good. And, you know, just in like cups of romaine, um, you know, eggs are a really great source, especially if a pastured egg, uh, pasture raised egg. You're going to get those omega-3s. You're going to get that vitamin D in that yolk, a lot of choline, so a lot of support for neurotransmitters and mood. Um, I've been doing, I just did a pot roast last night, which was fun. I just thought I'd mention that because that had the, um, I added in a bunch of leafy greens. I always feel like everything is an option for leafy greens. So I took two bunches of lacinato kale after two hours of roasting it in the oven, um, but searing that rose to get a nice, uh, you know, caramelized exterior, nice toothy feel. And then I did a bunch of caramelized onions and some tomato paste and wine and beef bone broth in there. So that had some bone broth in there as well with that collagen and gelatin. Um, overall, I think, um, you know, focusing on each meal, having as these do a biological protein, and then kind of highlighting two to three additional food as medicine goals per plate. So whether you're adding in an anti-inflammatory herb or an antioxidant rich ingredient or a uh, microbiome boosting compound, whether that's a high fiber thing like chia seed or whether that's a microbiome boosting like a probiotic, um, all of these are reasonable. And I would say if you're doing keto, um, if, if you have been feeling off, this might be a time that you would play with carb cycling. Um, we do know that having carbs later in the evening, especially if you're dealing with also insomnia and depression, carbs later in the evening in someone that has more tighter carb control, that that can help in that serotonin production as well as um, depth and quality of sleep. And um, these are things that we empower you in our 12-week keto program is, you know, what carb cycling looks like and maybe even lowering on your overall carb restriction, moving from that phase one to phase 1.5 where your body feels in more balance potentially. Totally. Um, all really yummy suggestions. Yes. Uh, and then when we're thinking of more kind of hunter-gatherer or ancestral life and our adrenal health, let's just connect the dots maybe a little bit of, you know, how far we've come <laughs> from that today um, and how that can impact immune health and depression. Yeah. So, you know, when we're thinking of the, again, fight or flight response of like saber tooth tiger or like we're chasing a herd to eat and feed our family, there's a lot of surges of adrenaline and this fight or flight, um, you know, deadline performance. Now, I think we had a lot of that in the earlier side, like, you know, in February through April where people were like, what is this? What's mm -hmm. going on? I'm, I'm fearful. Should I let my kid touch anything in the grocery store? You know, everything is and, and really a lot of heightened anxiety of the unknown. But I think a lot of that has petered where now it's like because of, again, the not having control of the future, maybe there's less of those excitatory experiences, if you will. Sure. Um, and, and so I find that that can kind of drive some some apathy or it could be the aftermath of too much of that fight or flight mm -hmm. earlier, you know, maybe three, six months ago. And now you're in the aftermath of the fly hitting the wall and feeling that flat affect. Yeah, burn um, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, if cortisol levels are too high, we can deal with 
anxiety and like the the you know want to tear out of our chest but if cortisol levels are too low we can feel really flat and really like we are chronically fatigued and have low motivation and i've worked with individuals where their cortisol is moderate their dhea is off the charts or too flat and you know we've talked about dhea like into like the rubber band so too taut um, can create more bitey, more irritability, short fuse to uh, low of a DHEA can cause also that apathy, low muscle tone, low libido. Um, we also see now, unlike we did in the hunter-gatherer, more um, less lack of muscle tone. So we're seeing sarcopenia. We're seeing because of that lower testosterone or excessive estrogen because we're exposed to both the um, you know toxins, those endocrine disrupting compounds that mimic estrogen, like our plastic water bottles, um, as well as even in our tap water, we're getting xenoestrogen exposure. And then we know that the body will metabolize estrogen imbalanced if its cortisol levels are off. So there's that lack of muscle tone, lack of getting out there, lack of lifting things, and you know, thinking of like the CrossFit like type mm-hmm. activity that's supposed to be more paleolithic, if you will. Um, and that leads to hormone imbalance and um, can throw off the adrenals. And um, there's, I think within that like survival stimulus, yes, there's less of the fight or flight survival, but there's also some of that suppressed, less excited or free or experiential, like those, again, like driving a car fast, some of those, uh-huh. going to a concert, yeah. like, you know, a lot of these things that are really super stimulatory, a lot of people are only getting that from screens and screens are the furthest thing from this ancestral approach of right. lifestyle. In fact, I would further say getting away from the screens to rebalance the neurotransmitters if we're dealing with depression so switching your screen filters getting outside maybe switching up your exercise routine i'm generally not recommending hit training but if you're feeling really flat and low i would get rocking on that adrenal support so that you're getting that support for your cortisol and adrenals and then maybe pick up some hit training and see how that feels in your body to just kind of get some of that rev going in, in your system yeah, if you're not getting it anywhere else, I think that makes sense Yeah, <laughs> as a recommendation. You mean I can go back to spin class, Allie? Not no, you. Not me. <laughs> um, when you're probably, done breastfeeding. Probably never. <laughs> not right now. No. Oh my gosh, your body's just trying to figure out what to do with itself. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so I mean, all in all, less epinephrine or less adrenaline, and we're seeing burnout, um, and we're seeing this impacted on a hormonal level. Um, We can even see this impact on a blood pressure level. We know that the adrenals also make our aldosterone. So we'll see low blood pressure as a sign of adrenal insufficiency. And then um, remember, the adrenals also make our neurotransmitters dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine. And so that's that bliss reward seeking as well as that, again, kind of drive and vigor. Yeah, and I think if this kind of sounds like you, um, our adrenal rehab course would be a really good place to dig in and get some structured support. Um, It's a four-week or intended as a four-week program, but once you purchase it, you own it for life and can do it at your own pace. Um, And it's divided into different chapters essentially of learning to, you know, recognize first of all, if you are on that kind of high cortisol end of the spectrum, or if you're more on kind of the burned out fatigued, you know, adrenal fatigued, um, end of the spectrum, what supplements are going to work best for you. Um, we include six recipes done in Allie's kitchen, um, and, um, a good chunk also on kind of ancestral practices, everything from, you know, using a Hara pad to blue blockers and the like. 
Yeah, it's honestly in one of my favorite worksheets in there on balancing your allostatic mm-hmm. load of really taking an assessment of your lifestyle stressors, which ones you can select or uh, control, and then um, you know what things you can bubble wrap. That's one of my favorite terms in this kind of setting. You know what things you can bubble wrap to offset lifestyle. So. That's where things like the adaptogen boost, if you know that you're taking on higher stress demands, um, or uh, we might bring in the BioC Plus if dealing especially with histamine response and seasonal allergies, because there's that quercetin in there and, um, you know, there's other compounds from the bioflavonoids like hesperidin, which are really anti-inflammatory and can aid with the histamine in the body. Sure. Um, let's just hit maybe on a couple of lifestyle practices to round things out. So how do we, you know, pull back from depression or really rediscover our joy source? Yeah, it's a heavy one, but Uh I think that we can take intentional, purposeful steps in getting there. And, you know, I think that we've seen that we have to actually, and this has been research clinically supported, that we have to break a stress cycle through things such as physical activity, breath work, positive social interaction, laughter, affection, crying, and creative expression. Um, So those are seven different things that can all be considered to break a stress cycle. So thinking kind of within those areas, what areas are right now active for you, what are suppressed, and, and where can you find influencing factors to create release or opportunity to activate those that are currently dormant, if you will. So, you know, as an example, if we're talking about affection and even positive social interaction, um, could, could, could double dip here, if you will. Um, a 20 second hug has been shown to actually increase that oxytocin surge in the body and, and also to decrease blood pressure. And we know oxytocin aids in trust, it aids in connection, Um, and a 20 second hug is pretty long. Um, I think we talked, I forget what episode that was Becky that we talked about how we're huggers. Um, like it's like a very, like, even if awkwardly so, like I'm cooking in the kitchen and Byron walks and I like have to like interrupt talking to Stella to like give Byron a hug. We just have like a, like a tribe connection of like, that's how we can't pass go. Exactly. Um, Even if we see each other every damn day. <laughs> right. When I might not hug Brady for an entire day because he's in my house. So right. I don't have that like in and out of the door thing. Right. So sometimes like you're my only hug of the day. I always hug Stella, but, um, it's interesting, you know, so I think hugs are so important. And so that's one of your homework assignments. Yeah. Find someone that you can provide a couple 20 second hugs with, um, as a way to really just, again, feel feeling in your body is going to bring you back to that ancestral connection of that innate connection. And when you feel connected to something greater than yourself, that's a way to connect, I believe, with the joy source for certain. Um, We've seen that individuals that take a walk, again, I think that that's that outside, especially, um, that they feel better um, even if they didn't want to take the walk in the first place. So even if done begrudgingly, and there's someone that didn't want to do the walk when scaling their their mood after and before walk, mood absolutely increases or improves. Um, And the connection, of course, or or concern is that social isolation can disrupt a lot of our, our vital routines or our activities that support these practices, like, you know, a boot camp or a movement or exercise 
you know, space like a gym or, um, you know, access to what have you as far as maybe, um, you know, dining out at nutritious places and whatnot. I do think that nutrient dense diet area is an area that you can manifest in your own. And maybe that's something that you could bring an accountability partner with in the new year. Um, and, and that this is the time that, again, if we're being told that this is until 2023, um, you know, or throughout the year of 2021, I think that we have to claim and manifest which of these areas we want to reawaken and recreate an action plan with. So maybe if it is the community element, literally, if it's on next door, if it's on your, you know, mom's group from kids at school, if it's from people that you used to be in an exercise forum with, reach out and see which ones are important and start with a walk outside, start with some communal connection. Um, because I think that that's a really important part of, of kind of reawakening the joy source. Yeah, totally. Love that. Yes. And I think, I think overall, um, the, the last thing I had here was just asking yourself some of these questions of, you know, how do you offset each disconnect that you experience? So like identify your disconnections. How do you offset that? Where can you connect deeper? So if you're isolated from here, where can you connect deeper and with who? And um, not allowing yourself to numb out or lose your purpose, really defining this as your time to reinvest or to redefine what your purpose is and being in your body and feeling your way through the process. So movement, 10,000 steps a day, ideally outside for an hour a day, of course, hip circles, hugging, and yeah. Deb's dance class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that that'd be a great thing. We'll yep. put that as the link always. Yep, totally. Yes. All right. Last thing I want to just mention is, you know, during these times, I think that it's more important than ever to be proactive with your wellness. So this is also a time that, you know, you might want to create more of a connection with a health coach or with a functional medicine dietitian such as ourselves or with our virtual keto 12 week group to have that community and forum of individuals that are all proactive pro vigilant sharing recipes stoked to be doing this to really keep lighting the flame of inspiration um, but i think this is really a time to be proactive with your wellness and especially going into this entire year and this would be a time to also consider potentially labs if you are dealing with um what you're experiencing as depression and really looking for some root causes, I would be between a recommendation of the Neurohormone Complete Plus panel or the micronutrient test. Um, the Neurohormone Complete Plus panel has a four-point cortisol assessment. Again, it also is going to assess the DHEA and sexual hormones. And then we also look at neurotransmitters within there. So from dopamine to epinephrine to serotonin and GABA, and other neurotransmitters in between, um, we are able to really look at this as a way to determine what are the best action points for you and where are the biggest areas of need. And as Becky, you were saying earlier, this is so validating because whenever I finish a neurohormone review with someone, they're like, ah, yeah, when they read me. the bullets yeah. of their neurotransmitter yeah. expression or their you know hormone impact, they're like, that's why I feel like that. And they're yeah. like, yep, and now here's what we can do about right. it. Right, yeah. And then I think the other lab recommendation would be the micronutrient panel, um, both for the reasons of, you know, all of the nutrient connections that we discussed, you know, certainly we can add in a multivitamin as a proactive supplement. Um, but a lot of us, I think, you know, just due to some of the outside of our control 
you know, factors of this year may be more burned out on certain nutrients. Maybe we are really low functionally in vitamin D or we've burned out our vitamin C or our um, glutamine because we've been really, really stressed out. Right. So I think looking at that as kind of your, you know, timestamp of, of getting, you know, um, getting the reins of 2021 back and, and looking toward a brighter, healthier future would be a really, really good one for any individual dealing with depression, anxiety, or just wanting, you know, some tangible data of, of kind of where they can improve upon health status. Yeah. I love that as personally, just an annual wellness assessment. I think it finds a great way to create motivation of abundance of beyond just, uh, targeting your supplement regimen, uh, really using food as medicine of like, okay, this is why I'm going to eat these oysters, or this is why I'm going to focus on those leafy greens so much. And that itself maintains motivation, checking off boxes. And again, ritual, we, we humans like ritual and routine. We like to accomplish things. So this is the year to create that structure yourself and really, um, own your time because time is your greatest resource. And, um, we want to share so much love and light with all of you. Um, you are not in this alone and all of you have such a special spark to shine. We are so grateful to be a part of your wellness journey and we are hoping that this episode finds you in wellness and that some of these areas of digging a little bit deeper can bring some light into your process. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.